Hey everybody, welcome to The Light Angle. Today is January 16th, 2023. My name is Jack. Happy MLK Day. If that is something you celebrate. Is it really celebrated? I think government employees and contractors such as myself get the day off, so that's cool. Thanks. Um, and just a fun fact, if you've never before, look up, uh, you know, do some research on Martin Luther King and who he was and what he did. We know him for a lot of great things. He also has a little dark side there too, which we all do. And unfortunately, I think uh, when people enter the public realm, uh, that stuff is brought to light. Anywho, uh, pretty interesting. If you're bored, have some free time, read up on the guy. He did some great stuff. Anyway. <laughs> so this week I have, I got a couple articles I'm going to read, uh, to you, bring to light, um, kind of interesting. We're covering, you know, some geographical stuff, some, some how to take better care of yourself stuff, all kinds of stuff. And of course I have scripture for it all. All right. So let's start out with the uh, Christian headline news. So before I get into it, have you ever read through the Bible or spent time in church hearing about the stories of Jesus in the New Testament and wondered, well, where is that place? Where is that, you know, pool that he healed um, some paraplegic dude? Uh, is it still there? Can we go to these places? Well, I learned today, as you will shortly, that some of these places, well, <laughs> all these places are real, but some of them are actually pointed out pretty well in scripture. And uh, so we know where these things took place. How cool is that? Imagine being able to go to the Middle East to see where Jesus healed a blind man. So Christian headline news is just that site where Jesus healed a blind man will be opened to the public. Archaeologists in Israel announced this week that the site where Jesus Christ healed a blind man by the pool of Siloam will be excavated and made open to the public for the first time. On Tuesday, the Israel National Parks Authority, uh, the Israel Antiquities Authority, and the City of David Foundation announced the excavation of the Pool of Siloam in Jerusalem. The Pool of Siloam in the City of David National Park in Jerusalem is a site of historic, national, and international significance. After many years of expectation, we will soon begin uncovering this important site and making it accessible to millions of visitors and tourists. Tourists will be able to view the excavation of the holy site and will be able to access the pool within a few months. In doing so, they will be able to travel in the footsteps that the pilgrims took when they purified themselves in the pool before entering the holy temple. Visitors will begin the route at the southernmost point of the city of David and finish at the western wall. Due to its importance, the Pool of Siloam was renovated and expanded in the late Second Temple period some 2,000 years ago. It's believed that at this time, the pool served as a mikvah, or a ritual bath, for the thousands of pilgrims who converged at the Pool of Siloam before ascending via the city of David to the temple. The Pool of Siloam was built 2,700 years ago in the 8th century BC during King Hezekiah's reign. Hezekiah is attributed to having brought water to the city in 2 Kings 2020. The site served as a reservoir for gathering water for the Gihon Spring and delivering water to the city throughout an underground tunnel. The Pool of Siloam is best known as the site where Jesus healed a blind man in John 9 verses 1 through 7. In the passage, the Lord spat on the ground and created mud using his own saliva. He then applied to the mud or he then applied the mud to the blind man's eyes 
and he was healed after washing in the pool of Siloam. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing, verse 7 reads. In the 1890s, a group of British-American archaeologists uncovered some of the pool steps, while British archaeologist Kathleen Kenyon excavated the Pool of Siloam in the 1960s. According to the IAA, some of the pool steps were uncovered by the Jerusalem Gihon Water Company while doing some infrastructure work. The recent excavation of the site is led by Professor Ronnie Reich and Eli Shukran. Uh, They uncovered the pool's northern side and some of the eastern side. So that's pretty cool. You can go uh, check that out if you're so inclined to spend thousands of dollars on a flight to go to Jerusalem. Honestly, it'd probably be money well spent. I mean, look at the course of the year and how much money Americans spend on fast food and coffee at Starbucks. You could probably save up pretty quickly and go to Jerusalem and check out the pool. Just saying. All right, here's my next article. So this is interesting. I didn't know Fox News was churchy folk. All right, I knew they were conservative and right-leaning, of course, but I didn't know they had stuff like this. So the title of their article is Bible Verse of the Week, Apostle Paul Calls Us to Sacrificial Love. Huh, good on you, Fox News. It starts off by saying, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Perhaps some of the best known and best loved verses in the New Testament, these lines remind the faithful of the gentle, forgiving, and sacrificial nature of love. When the Apostle Paul wrote this to the people of Corinth, <clears throat> excuse me, the Corinthian church was emphasizing a good thing, spiritual gifts, but were using their gifts apart from love, according to Christian website Bibe.org. Paul makes the point that the use of their God-given gifts would amount to nothing if the Corinthians did not make love their priority. One South Carolina faith leader says that this whole chapter from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians is commonly referred to as the love chapter. It is the most concise summary of what it means to love another person. It is a reflection of the love God has for us and the care he desires to give us. While contemporary notions of love focus on self-fulfillment and subjective satisfaction, the Apostle Paul reminds us that true love is sacrificial and seeks the good of one we love. Love is a willingness to die to ourselves for the good of one another. It is only in such a sincere gift of ourselves to others that we can truly know love and truly know ourselves. Um, Mr. Kirby said that while these verses are immensely popular for use at weddings, the love chapter is true wisdom for every situation. The verses are a call to authentic love, he said. He also said it's an invitation to follow the path of true self-discovery, This portion of the biblical wisdom reminds us that nothing is beyond love's power. He also added, there is nothing love can't conquer. So, I'll be the first to say that this is all mushy stuff. Um, But the reality is, is there, there is, I mean, it's all true. And above all, we need to take note of it because our God has shown us 
a love that we can't comprehend, all right? Giving his only son to die on a cross, horrible way to die, um, for us. Living a perfect life. Didn't have to do that, but he did. That's, that's love. And what we're told through Scripture and through the Bible is to make every effort to come close to that. <laughs> um, just a personal note, pretty sure I come short of that every single day. So maybe some self-reflection is needed. Moving on. Uh, so this is good. And so <clears throat> I read this article and I thought, oh, I should share that. And then I was reading through, I was like, well, this is pretty much common sense to most people who are listening to the show. But there are a lot of people uh, that I hope come to this show and do not know this info, in which case it'll be new information to them. <clears throat> this is, I think, important for reasons even other than what's said in this article. But let me read the article and then we'll chat. Uh, this is from the Good News Network, and it's titled, Gardening Could Help Reduce Cancer Risk, Boost Mental Health, and Bring Communities Together. Gardening could help reduce the risks of cancer, boost mental health, and bring communities together, according to new research. Scientists, scientists, scientists say it leads to eating more fibrous fruits and vegetables, exercising more, and building social connections, which together can ease stress and anxiety and lower the risk of various illnesses. No matter where you go, people say there's just something about gardening that makes them feel better, said Dr. Jill Litt, a professor in the Department of Environmental Studies at the University of Colorado Boulder. In a classic case of correlation or causation, while it's known that those who garden tend to be healthier weight and eat more fruit and veggies, it's unclear whether healthier people just tend to garden more or whether gardening influences health. To find the answer, Dr. Litt recruited 291 non-gardening adults with an average age of 41 from the Denver area. Half were assigned to the community gardening group. The other half were put in a control group that was asked to wait one year to start gardening. The gardening group received a free community garden plot, some seeds and seedlings, and an introductory gardening course. Both groups were surveyed about their nutritional intake and mental health. They also underwent body measurements and wore activity monitors. The group started in spring, and by autumn, those in the gardening group were eating an average of 1.4 grams or 7% more fiber per day than the control group. It may seem like a small difference, but it isn't. An increase of one gram of fiber can have a large positive effect on health, said co-author James Hebert, director of the University of South Carolina's Cancer Prevention and Control Program. The gardening group also upped their physical activity by around 42 minutes per week and saw their stress and anxiety levels decrease, with those who came in the most stressed and anxious seeing the biggest drop in mental health issues. Many of the participants live in areas where access to affordable fresh fruit and veggies is extremely limited. Some were low-income immigrants living in gardenless apartments, and having a garden plot allowed them to grow food cheaply. Community gardening can also build social connections within communities and offer a space for people to share their culture. Even if you come to the garden looking to grow your food on your own in a quiet place, you start to look at your neighbor's plot and share techniques and recipes, and over time, relationships bloom. It's not just about the fruits and veggies, it's also about being in a natural space outdoors together with others, Dr. Litt says. So, 
I think that's genius. Maybe we should go back to smaller communities where we actually farm and do stuff together. You know, like communities are supposed to. That would be ingenious. And it not only makes sense that, uh, you know, that helps with anxiety and depression. It also makes sense that, you know, people are living healthier. So I know there's going to be somebody out there listening who says, oh yeah, Jack, well, I get my veggies from the beef I eat because the beef, the cows, they eat the grass and therefore I'm a vegetarian. Well, no, certain ma'am, you are not. That's not how it works. Beef is great. I'll never turn down a nice steak dinner. But at the same time, we all need our veggies. In fact, scripture even tells us veggies are the way to go. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, it says, Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. I'm not saying you should only eat vegetables, but this proves that, you know, you put plenty of veggies in your diet, you're going to be a little bit healthier. And if you get out there in a community garden or start gardening with other folks, you're going to have a better community. It's a win-win, all right? So, I don't know. I think we should work on our communities also. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so what does the Bible say about communities? Well, in Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How often are you looking at social media? How often do you know people are looking? No. Well, what's the words I'm looking for? How often do you know people who are looking at social media? A lot of people use social media as an excuse not to actually talk to one another in person. So one big issue with the previous pandemic we went through was the lockdowns we all had. We were all stuck in our own homes. We couldn't talk or see each other. And if we did, if we were one of the few fortunate people who got to go out and about, we were covering our faces in masks. We couldn't be within six feet of each other. That's not how a community is supposed to be. All right. That's not how you're really, you're supposed to deal with illness either. But anyway, what we need to do is actually get out, get some fresh air, get some sunlight, grow some veggies and do it together with one another. We're supposed to stir up one another to do stuff preferably good stuff, not neglecting to meet one another. This is what scripture tells us. And we can see in scripture, that's, you know, how you live a good and happy life. So that's my two cents on that. Go grow some veggies, eat some veggies, do good things, work with each other. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry if I seem short, multitasking here. All right. And then finally, my last uh, topic um, is from, hold on, bringing it up here. Hold on one second. Sunnyskies.com says new study suggests acts of kindness. Kindness may be the best medicine for depression and anxiety. A new study published in the journal of positive psychology found that performing acts of kindness can heal depression and anxiety. Huh? Just thinking, is there a journal of negative psychology? 
Because I'd like to read the two back to back. That'd be interesting. Anyway, moving on. Researchers from the Ohio State University split 122 people into three groups. Two of the groups were assigned to techniques often used in cognitive behavioral therapy for depression, planning, social activities, or cognitive reappraisal, identifying negative thought patterns, and then revising the thoughts. Members of the third group were instructed to perform three acts of kindness a day for two days out of the week. Huh, doesn't seem like much. Participants followed their instructions for 10 weeks. The findings showed that participants in all three groups showed an increase in life satisfaction and a reduction of depression and anxiety symptoms. However, the group performing acts of kindness led to improvements not seen in the two other groups. These results are encouraging because they suggest that all three study interventions are effective at reducing reducing distress and improving satisfaction. But acts of kindness still showed an advantage over both social activities and cognitive reappraisal by making people feel more connected to other people, which is an important part of well-being. The acts of kindness techniques was the only intervention tested that helped people feel more connected to others. Social connection is one of the ingredients of life most strongly associated with well-being. Performing acts of kindness seems to be one of the best ways to promote those connections. In addition, the acts of kindness group showed greater improvements than the cognitive reappraisal group for life satisfaction and symptoms of depression and anxiety. The authors noted that just participating in social activities did not improve feelings of social connection. There's something specific about performing acts of kindness that makes people feel connected to others. It's not enough to just be around other people participating in social activities. Some of the facts of kindness that participants later said they did include baking cookies for friends, offering to give a friend a ride, and leaving sticky notes for roommates with words of encouragement. Something as simple as helping other people can go above and beyond other treatments and helping heal people with depression and anxiety. So that's pretty interesting. So if you take the last article I talked about, about growing a community garden, and combine it with this one, we're not only supposed to make veggies, we're supposed to cook veggies for the people we have the garden or the farm with. just makes sense. You put it together. What does scripture say? In Philippians 2.4, it says, Let each of you... Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Some good advice there. Lots of Little tidbits I think we can all take with us as we go throughout this week. You know, eat better, take better help, care of yourself, and take better care of each other. Hmm. Kind of sounds like what, you know, <laughs> at least this show's been preaching for the last two years. But anywho, you know, we need to put it into action. You know, actually go out and do it. Make good use of our time. All right, y'all, pray with me. Father God, Thank you for the blessings we have received in this new week we've put, you've put before us. I pray you would help us all work towards bettering ourselves and those around us. Help us be mindful of what we put in our minds and our bellies, as scripture tells us that both have an impact on how we live our lives. While working on ourselves, motivate us to share what we know is true and good to those around us. 
Help us shine the light of Christ to this world in hopes of bringing others to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that's it for today's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hope always starts with a little light in the darkness.